the Podfix Network. Hello and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, how to try not to really F them up. In Dom's very humble opinion, but my actual opinion. <laughs> Which isn't humble. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every week. Welcome to the show. This is a great one. We're actually delighted. I'll, I'll ask me what it's about. What what is it about, Dom? Pray do tell. Oh, <laughs> From those who've read the title of this episode, you'll have got Dom's pun then. If you haven't and you just click play in your ears, you'll have no idea. And you think, oh, what's Dom saying again? <laughs> but actually, it was a good one. Because this week we have on the director and producer of Prey. Prey. We have uh, Jane Myers, the producer of Prey, and director Dan Trachtenberg, director of Prey. Dan is also the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I loved. Also love Prey as well. And both these guests are amazing. Jane and Dan gave us some amazing advice, but we didn't record them at the same time. It was a kind of one of the junkets they were doing for all the amazing press, and we're delighted to be involved in that. But that meant we got 20 minutes with each of them. So these are separate interviews. So who should we start with first? Either Jane or Dan. Mm. Um, you have to say Jane. I'm, I'm going to go with Jane because Giles has just said we have to go with Jane. <laughs> but also because we did it chronologically, so I think it makes sense in terms of, you know, maybe what we talked about. Yeah, and Jane talks about how, you know, she got the film yeah. made, uh, and I think that's yeah. important. And Jane talks about how uh, Prey came about. She also talks about script work, creating backstory, um, how she was the only producer on set, and the fights and stunts and all the training that went into making Prey. She also talks about turning down Marvel, Ooh. how she got the job on Prey as a producer, and being very hands-on on set. And she talks about what she learnt from being on set, and she gives you some amazing advice. And on top of that, most importantly, she also talks about the importance of dealing with real bears. Real bears. Like, they're kind of a bit like you are now. Yes. Yeah. I'm Giles Alderson, yes. and you are... Dom Lenoir. And Dom Lenoir is sat in his bedroom, and he's shirtless. So he is bare. I am shirtless, but not, not pantless. I'm gonna... <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, the context, you know, it's been a long day, it's muggy, it's sweaty, uh, everyone's tired, and we're, we're doing this podcast intro recording the night before the episode goes live because we're, we're busy guys. Yes, I have been busy. There's a lot going on. I think Wolves of War is dropping its trailer and poster any day now as well. I think we've got release date on that. Anything else of yours you want to plug? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, the Dare's out now. I can get that ever. Arthur and Merlin, ever repeat. Uh, Serial Killer's Guide to Life. Uh, followers. World of Darkness. Am I missing anything? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger in Our Bed is now out. Uh, I think I think it's doing quite well in some some Hulu or something. Is it? Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Dom. Um, you know, you didn't have to, but yes, uh, yes, it got to number four in the Hulu charts. Yes, very nice. That's incredible. Yeah. I didn't even know it was on Hulu. Well, right. No idea. I, I, I knew. Someone messaged me because I. Uh, do you know how I knew? Did because you? the the interviews that I that I shot are all over Instagram. These lovely interviews. Mm, Dom worked on the film as well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. You wouldn't know it from the from the posts, but. <laughs> They're like, we're not going to yeah. credit this guy. Yeah. No, I mean, to be fair, like, I'm, not, I'm not desperate for a, a you know, credit on there. No. But they are great interviews. 
they are, they are good. <laughs> to be fair, they upgraded with Dom's. In the film, great. the film well, is Dom's okay. <laughs> but the interviews. <laughs> but the interviews are where it's at. So true. Go on Instagram, watch the interviews, and give it 10 out of 10 on IMDb for the interviews. <laughs> uh, to be fair, we've been getting a lot of love uh, so far. Yeah, no, the people seem to like the movie. They, they, they do, and it's, uh, you know, it's a cool, it's a cool thriller, and it's always good to um, look at gaslighting and you know those topics of just all these like mm, abusive relationships and that's and emotionally abusive relationships and yeah and then jumps into all those so it's out in the UK September the 5th, 5th. <laughs> thank you for the plug there Dom <laughs> September the 5th uh, thank you Dom um, yeah I appreciate that plug because you know I wouldn't have brought it up <clears throat> you always do What's this podcast for if we can't promote our work? Dom is the superstar director of Winter Ridge, everyone. If you haven't watched this by now and you're listening to this podcast, you are not his friend. It's still mine, though. Yep, it's true. <laughs> it's amazing. What if you're talking of great thrillers? Yeah. It's a great thriller. Uh, and it stars yeah. um, Emmy Award winning. Emmy nominated. Emmy winning. Didn't she win the, didn't she win the Emmy? I don't know. I think she, I don't know, I'm pretty me. sure she won the Emmy, yeah. Hannah Waddingham. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, if you, if you watch the film, you'll see a fully emotional brilliant performance from her as well so if you want to see what hannah did before i mean let's forget her extremely important uh, musical career that she had that's that's nothing Very to do with nothing to do with me but before before you know let's also forget game of thrones and some of the high profile tv stuff but before <laughs> yeah. ted lasso she did winter mm-hmm. ridge so, uh, there you there go. go. And uh, after Winter Ridge, she was on this very podcast. She has been on this podcast. That's enough of us wearing on, no, right? No, it's not enough of us. You, you've plugged like 17 projects. So, uh, you know. I have got yeah. 17, yes. I, where, what have you been up to, Dom? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> been on set, Giles. No one cares. Been They're on all set. skipping through this bit now. Set. Wait, what? Dom, tell us what you've been on set. Yeah. Tell us about with, it. With my my favourite uh, my favourite pals, the the Shakespeare. Let me guess. Let oh. me guess. The Shakespeare yes, sisters. The Shakespeare sisters. Yeah. yeah. Have you been doing more of the unreason? I have the fun reason, as I call it, because it's it's such extraordinary fun. The dumb reason. The dumb reason. <laughs> the dumb. Dumb reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I worked on the film it too. Is, it's, it's, uh, it's tremendous fun, actually. You, you did, Giles. You did a very good job of um, marshalling the troops. Marshalling the troops, yes. As a first AD. Dom was like, when he said, Oh, come and do this movie with the Shakespeare yeah. sisters. I love the Shakespeare sisters. I love to, Dom. He was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there every day. Was Dom there every day? Was he? <laughs> fuck. Yeah, it's, sometimes, it, it, it's, it's, sometimes it's a balance between following your own mm. dreams and, and responsibilities. And <laughs> the first third of the shoot, I was 100% following the responsibilities the second part there was a compromise and I was wasn't there all the time in the third mm. part I'm here you know I'm showing up I'm showing up to you know for duty it's going very well it's a very funny it's a very funny film it um, is funny it's very funny you know the, the leads yeah. are you know good uh, they're good folks you know they're, they're, they're real people they they run a shop um, of vintage clothing they also happen to travel back in time and steal things from different eras in real life. How, what have you learned from producing that and helping get that made? It, it's hard to say. I, I think I think you learn different things from everyone you work with. I think I think the Shakespeare sisters are good at several things. They're very good at networking, and they they're good at just like being quite a good sort of energy. Mm, and it's so important to have that amazing energy relentlessness brilliant at networking and they get stuff they get made. stuff done yeah and you yeah. know and, and they're sharp they're sharp kids you know that they, they know what they're doing and it's, it's a joy to work with them and you know i've worked with them on in varying capacities of, of different projects and 
you know, one one thing I've I've realised as I, uh, you know, as I get older is that I'd actually rather work with certain people on different things than you know necessarily. I, I'd rather do that. I'd rather produce or you know work as a, a producer on someone else's film that I really respect than direct something that I don't care about. Like that, that's that's the reality. Yes. Like you know, it, there's certain things where directing, like I will only do something that's like very very close and, and important. But you've got to choose what 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 keeps you happy and, and it's working with good people at the end of the day good projects it's so important and it, it actually really is and it's something I've said in various uh, events I've done or talks is if you're not with the right people move jump ship you know you need to get your projects made and if someone's dragging you down if someone's dragging their heels whatever it is you've got to find the right people because otherwise you're in you're in all sorts of shit and it's so hard to move sometimes it really is yeah. but it's your career and you've got to do it if it's not working you've got to do it it, it is and, and, and you know you don't, you don't always have to be doing the job that you want to do. There, there mm. are great projects mm. and there's great teams and you always learn so much by doing other things. You know, Giles has done production managing. I've done production managing. Um, Giles has done ADing. Uh, you know, Coz just did some action um, ADing, you know, on, on another film. You know, all of us have done various features. We've done more than one feature. We're all very experienced directors, but you know, we like working with other people, uh, and I think that's important. Mm. And I think you learn so much from being on, the, on other people's sets. You know, I learned loads from being on The Unreason. I learned loads from when I production managed or I've produced or whatever I've done for other people. I, you learn, and that's how you get better as a filmmaker. Sitting in your bedroom talking about it doesn't make you a better filmmaker. Being on set does. So any chance you... <laughs> as we're doing right now. <laughs> as we're doing right now. Topless talking about it but but we're doing it at the same time so it's you know we're on set all the time as you know busy prepping for stuff right now and it's an exciting time it's a very exciting time three day millionaire by the way talking of that we weren't talking about that. will be delivered this week what else is happening tom F filmmaking is 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 a relentless struggle at the end of the day when it's when it's stuff mm -hmm. you you really want to do and it is very hard to get stuff made and you just sort of have to i i think it's very much like you know your you're at the sort of the the, the point in a, a war movie where you're you're the general and you're giving that speech before everyone's about to jump over the edge and into uncertain death mm -hmm. and face overwhelming odds. Except you're giving yourself that speech every time you get up and you have to deal with whoever the hell you're trying to deal with to get your film made because you've got to go with that level of like energy, enthusiasm, determinedness, yep. um, determinedness, determinedness, yeah. Determinity, determination. determination. That, that might even be the, the, the word that mm. makes sense. <laughs> One of those things. But you, you have to, you have, to, you have to literally have that every single day, despite the fact that you are up against, you know, a, a shrinking indie industry. Um, you're up against massive studios. You're, you're just, yeah. There's, there's oversaturation in crew. Cast are very hard to. It's very hard to get cast with, with so many productions in, in, in place uh, and that, that's what you're up against um, and you just have to you just have to sort of plug through it let's get to our first guest of today's uh, filmmakers podcast it is Jane Myers she is has been the Native American advisor for films like Magnificent Seven Apocalypto The Lone Ranger and 1883 the big TV series and this is her debut as a solo producer called Prey you will have heard of it it's the Predator prequel which stars Amber Midthunter as Naru the lead and of course 
the CGI bear. Let's get to it and we will jump in after this one and introduce Dan Trachenberg. But for now, they should sit back, relax, listen to myself, Dom and Jane, and do what, Dom? Enjoy! Hey, Jane. Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great, thank you. Yeah? Is it morning for you? Yes. Oh, is it morning as well? Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. It's morning for us. <laughs> Wait, where are you? We're UK. So am I. I'm here. Oh, oh okay. We should be in the same room. This is crazy. That's why, why didn't you do it in person? That would have been better. Uh, yeah. been well, so I'm so tired of Zooms. I want to see people. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We're so sorry. Are you coming to the film tonight? No, we've seen it already. We oh, that's it. right, because you saw this. Yeah, we saw the screen. It was very good, I have to say. It was very Did good. Did you like it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I'm yeah. a huge Predator fan, sort of going back to when I was a kid and feeling that feeling of the Predator. So having this, like the origin story, not on the origin story, doesn't that doesn't make sense, but a story of that, it's, it's brilliant. It's really good. You should be very proud. We grew up in those 90s, sort of 80s action films. and uh, Same here. Yeah, it, it was such a big thing for like, you know, I mean, little boys, little girls. We, we all love those like action films when you're just getting to that sort of young adult level yeah. and you see those things. It's like, wow, this is so unbelievably cool. Same with you, Jane. You said same with you. Absolutely. You grew up. Oh, wow. How was it then to get sort of the introduction that you might be working on this film? Or It was great. Um, you know, Pre-pandemic or like at the pandemic, I had a lot of um, films that were put on hold and different jobs were put on hold. So then I started like interviewing for extra things. This was the last thing that I interviewed for. And when uh -huh. I did, I just told my rep, get rid of everything else. You know, <laughs> I, I want to do this. Wow. And I was really excited to yeah. do it. And I, I was excited to meet Dan. Of course. Yeah, the legend Dan, 10 Cloverfield Lane's incredible movie and, you know, the boys with it. And I know he's been trying to make Prey for quite a while. Um, he has. Quite a while. So it's quite interesting that, you know, it's now coming out after the pandemic, but also going, you know, quite to streaming services as well. And I find that really interesting um, and fascinating. Um, what, what, did, what happened then when you first got that, the, the call came in, like you say, talk us through that and talk us through what you thought you might be doing on the film. Well, I um, I got contacted by Scott Aversano and he is our executive vice president of 20th Century. And he said, you know, um, I've been looking for a native producer and mm -hmm. um, I think this film, what this film is lacking or what it really needs a native producer to bring, you know, all the, the native part alive. And would you be interested? And he said, I, he said he went to different places uh, or talked to different people. And he said, instead of people giving me a list, they just said, you need to talk to Jane Myers. You need to talk to Jane Myers. So wow. his last thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So the last thing he, he did was he called our, his counterparts at Marvel because Marvel's in the, you know, Disney uh, family. Mm -hmm. So he called Marvel and he said, hey, I heard that you're, you know, because they're, they're filming Echo right now. So he said, he said, I heard that you're, you know, you've been talking to native producers. Is there anybody that stands out? And they were like, yes, we met this woman named Jane Myers. And he was like, ah, that's all everybody <laughs> keeps telling me. So he called me because he wanted to meet me, you know, and it was during pandemic kind of time, so he mm -hmm. had to meet me on Zoom and everything. And he said, yep. I gotta see what this woman is about. So I thought that was kind of cool. And um, I had just interviewed for Marvel as well. So I took this over the Marvel job when it was the Predator and I'm Comanche, mm -hmm. I'm a full-blood Native American. So yep. I'm on the Comanche role, I'm an enrolled Comanche, but I'm also Blackfeet. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I could work on content that was actually my culture and my tribe, I was like, ugh, I'm in. 
Perfect. When I first got the script from Dan, I interviewed with Dan. When he sent me the script, it said uh, all dialogue in Comanche. I was like, oh, yes, you know, I'm, yes. I'm dying to do this. So, and was the, was the script in in a kind of a place where you thought, yes, this is really authentic, or did you did you feel like there were there was a, there was a lot that you could input with your own kind of uh, your own sort of input? Well, Patrick uh, Patrick uh, Ison is a really good writer, and he and Dan developed the script and the screenplay. So I. It was okay. It, it was, you know, it was in a good state, but I was able to add a few things. Like we changed character names. You know, it's kind of hard when you're native and usually like in a script, they'll be like native one, native, I mean, American, I mean, or Indian one, Indian two, Indian, you know, and like, so we kind of gave people names mm -hmm. and created, you know, kind of beefed up their parts and created more of a backstory or more of a, a story for them. So it was, it was really good. Well, you started off doing that. Well, It'd be interesting to know how you got into doing Apocalypto and The Lone Ranger, because when you first started, that's fascinating for us of how you transitioned and got into that world. And then, you know, now you are producing Prey. Right. Well, when I started, um, when uh, I lived in Oklahoma, I had my own PR company, Jane Myers and Associates. And my PR company dealt in uh, tribal and community public relations, you know, for so we would take big companies when they want to make inroads into tribes, and we would be that person, you know, to plan how they would do it, you know, do the introductions and everything. Mm -hmm. So um, from that, I started getting into, I guess, more into the entertainment side of it. I start getting bigger entertainment cli clients. Uh, and funny you should say that, because I'm here in London, and one of my former clients is here um, because he was working on a musical with Larry Gatlin. I, I started doing music clients and then I started, you know, doing film clients. And that's kind of how it, I I came. I think I should say I came through the the back door of the Disney publicity, you know, start working with their publicity arm mm -hmm. and their marketing, which was really great. So um, I've had uh, like a really unique career working uh, all kinds of in not only just producing, but doing you know, many different aspects within the, the film world. So I feel like I'm pretty well-rounded. It's weird to be sitting here and doing this because usually I'm on the other side running this you know, junket thing. Yeah. So it's like now I'm here and I'm kind of like, oh. Yeah, that must be fascinating watching them do all the stuff you normally or had done in the past. Yes. So now you're the one being yeah, moved Yeah, now around. I'm the one doing it. So <laughs> Yeah, which must be incredible. I, I think that's really interesting that you mentioned about how it's important, I suppose, for filmmakers to do more than just be a producer or just be a, a director, to understand the business, to, for you to understand PR and marketing and to understand associate producing, to understand and, you know, um, cult being cultural advisor for so many films as well. Hugely important for when you, when things happen. Um, I, I do much prefer filmmakers to, to have held a boom or to have, you know, done a bit of makeup or anything. It just Are you kidding? I have even been catering. I have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've done everything. I've been the driver. I've been, you know, I've done uh, catering. I've, I've done it all, especially, you know, when you think of, I've done a lot with uh, native filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And when you think of native films and native film projects, they're all done with a micro budget. Yep, yep. So they're very, very small. So that means, you know, if you're on the team, you're going to be wearing more than one hat, right? Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a, a weird thing when I crossed over, especially when I did this project. Uh, it was up in um, 
we we lived in Canada for six yeah, and a half Calgary, months right? yeah. to, in Calgary to shoot this because the borders were closed, which was kind of unusual because then I didn't get my usual you know, where you get to go visit or have your family up or anything. It was just us like in this little uh, bubble. But I think when I first got there, it was different because I'm so used to doing everything. People were like, I don't think she thinks I can do this or she doesn't think I can do this because I was very hands on and oh, this is how you should do this and let's do this. And they were just like, Jane picked up this thing and moved it. And, you know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> and now, it needed to be moved. It's such a weird thing, isn't it? Like, because as, as an indie filmmaker, like, you know, you're used to just being like a mad, mad, mad rush. But, you know, the, the higher up you go, like, the more, like, don't touch that. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And I don't care. I just like pick it up and move it. Let me radio through. Sometimes you'll go through that this radio chain of like three people that can see each other to to tell someone over there that you could have asked direct. But you know, it it, it works, and it is the it is the studio system, and it's it's great to have those resources. I think they were kind of shocked because number one, you don't usually see a, a woman in this producing, and we had a very small. So usually on this type of film, you have like four. Well, we do have more producers, but actually on hand there, you know, on the, uh, in, in Calgary, I was the only one. And I had Marty Ewing, who is a line producer. We had like, I mean, just one of everything, right? So you did mm. have to do, I felt like you need to do more, but I think the people there, it was, it was unusual for them to see a woman in this position and let alone a native American woman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I didn't care. Yeah, you didn't care. And I love the fact that you were just like, yeah, well, I'm going to pick up this. And then everyone sort of probably went down the chain. Jane's picking up the thing and then they couldn't yeah. do anything about it because you're the let, producer. Let her, she's the producer. Yeah, you yeah, the producer's not supposed to do that. She moved that or she, you know, I was yeah. like, it is not exactly. a big deal. You know, yeah. I mean, I, don't, I didn't feel like I was put out. It shouldn't be. I get it why the unions say it because obviously that the person whose job it is to move the, you know, the tripod or whatever. Yeah, you want them to keep their Damage jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We totally get it in safety reasons, etc. But at the same time, you're like, you know, let's just get on with it, shall we? How was that then, sort of being that main producer for you, on-set producer? How did you find that whole process? It was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. Not a problem. I had just, the project I worked on before that, I I directed and produced a segment for uh, Ralph Lauren for the holiday campaign Mm -hmm. just prior to that. I directed, produced it, and I was in it. So I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> wow. But, uh, that's really hard. That's yeah. really hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I line produced it too. So, oh. Um, oh, wow. Glutton for punishment on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's like, how do I go from, you know, doing everything to, you know, just doing minimal? But it's, I couldn't say that this job was minimal because there was so much of the cultural aspect that had to be put in. Mm. You know, we had to make sure that everything looked right and, you know, felt right for the time period period because it's period and I mean this has been my dream project everybody says if you could have like you know if you had a magic wand and what would be your dream project and it has to be this one no I'm I don't know what the future holds for me but I know that like being able usually when I'm hired I'm working on native content and native contents maybe 20% or 25% of the whole project mm-hmm. this was Comanche content 100% and then I want to say 110% because that extra 10% came when we did the language dub so we did a full Comanche dub oh that's amazing you know that that added the extra 110% of uh, native content on a project which is huge huge it really is huge and so important it is really is one of the things that makes the film so interesting because there is such a you know the native um the native perspective and the connection with nature and, and even the way that they fight and that they they communicate and that the hierarchies 
it's 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 got so much to learn from it and it's kind of you know it's amazing to actually see it on screen in terms of the the fight sequences as well like there's a there's a lot of action in this like how how did that go in terms of like rehearsals and putting things together and the training and, and all that sort of things that was fabulous um i had an office in our production office but then we had a separate building at a different location that we rented for uh for the uh, training, you know, the fight sequence because fight sequences because uh, all of the core cast went through a boot camp. They had a four week boot camp, and I want to say it's Amber said it was four weeks, but I think it was more like six weeks or five weeks. But uh, they worked with our um, our stunt coordinator, and then he hired a native tactical person. So mm-hmm. Comanches developed a sign. Comanches had sign language, so if you look at the um, ALS, the American Sign Language, uh, that was all based on the trade sign language that the Comanches had. Wow. So what we did is we took the, this um, our uh, fight coordinator or, or like our tac. We took our tactical person with his sign language and we blended the two together and created a sign language for the core cast to learn so they could talk to each other without you know. T- so you see that in the film, That's you know, amazing. where they're doing yes. hand signs and everything. So that was kind of a cool thing to do. But at the same place, we had hair, makeup, and then we also had wardrobe. So I know I had like an office in the production office, you could go like this across my desk and there would be like dust on it, right? Because I set up, I set up a uh, satellite office in the other building because I wanted to be hands-on with all of this. It was so funny because uh, I would have to do uh, Zoom calls like this, you know, with the studio. And so wardrobe or costuming was, they were so accommodating. So they brought like these rolling racks and they put these buffalo hides around them and they put like little... Uh, pictures you know of all the different you know things that we were making and everything they put it behind me and right. so when i would sit on my you know calls it looked like i was in a little office or you know i had like a little privacy <laughs> area you know which was kind of fun Brilliant. but yeah. uh, but no i wanted to be hands on with everything so i stationed myself there just to make sure that uh I mm. saw how everything was going and developed everything. And it's very important as the producer, the lead producer, to be hands-on, to be around, to be showing face rather than hiding away, making phone calls, doing whatever producers can do sometimes. And I, I, I'm the same, and Dom, you're the same. Love to be on set. How did it feel for you to be on set, to watch this happening? How was that whole process? What did you bring to the table in that you know, side of things be really interesting. I brought a, a lot to the table. I feel like I was very hands-on um, and it, it's great. I like to be, I live in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I like, I'm an outdoors person. So I like to be outdoors a lot. Uh, even when we were seeing our first, Dan will tell you the story uh, because he does not like to be outside. So uh, right. <laughs> when we were doing, we got up there and we were doing our, um, we were looking at, because you know, like, okay, making a, a film during Zoom in a different country, I mean, during the pandemic is yeah. is difficult, right? It feels like it's during Zoom. <laughs> yeah, so, so they had a thing. They were like, oh, here's what it's going to look like. What do you think about these locations? Well, you don't know because you're seeing a picture on Zoom, right? Mm. And everything is covered in snow because they have so much snow. So when we got there in May, we still had to hike up to see some of these overlooks, like where she's brushing her teeth and walking with the dog. Mm. It's like a vertical we had to snowshoe to get up there and i snowshoe 
I mean, all the time. That's how I try to stay in shape. So uh, um, I just like put on the snowshoes and I was right behind the guides, you know, and and I looked and like, it's just the guides and I, and they're like, where is everybody? And they're all like struggling, trying to, you know, go up, like, to, this, this easy. What's wrong with go up to this peak. Yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan's always laughing. He's like, you know how to snowshoe. And I said, absolutely. I do this to, to stay in shape. And he was like, oh my God. So, you know, just to see some of those locations, you know, it, it took a trek and it took a different thing. So me being on, on set, it was like, okay, we saw this with snow and you have to try to imagine how is this going to look without, right? When you have like snow, waist high snow and still in, in May. Yeah. But um, we had a funny story because during the pandemic, everybody has to be tested at certain times to be on set, right? Mm-hmm. So Dan was like, oh, Jane, you know, I we I want a woman to be riding into camp on a horse, dismount and do this, but we forgot to hire, we didn't hire a um, special skilled, we didn't have a, a woman to ride a horse. We had just hired all these men because Amber's our lead and she's the woman of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I really thought a woman should be riding in. I'm like, he said, but we have to get somebody tested and I can't shoot it today because if we got somebody, they'd have to be tested and you have to wait for their results, right? Yes. Yes. So I was like, well, I've been tested. I'll do it. And he was <laughs> like, what? I was like, yeah. I said, yeah. I ride horses. so And I've already been tested, so I'm clear. And he was like, really? So I'm actually, we didn't use that scene, but I rode in. And then the, in the opening scene where you see the two people on the horse, I'm mm-hmm. the one on the left. Oh, amazing. Because I was tested. So it's like, oh, I said, I can solve this. And he was like, how? I said, I'll go do it. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's like, you know, you just you just fill in any, there's no there's no ego. It's just like, look, I can do this. This is what needs to be done for the film. You know, I'll jump in and, and you know, it's just great for the film, isn't it? It's incredible. Can you tell us, because um, I know we've got to let you go very soon, but can you tell us some advice that you would give uh, a producer jumping into a, a big project like this? Anything you learned that would help our listeners? We had a We had a crew of 330 people. So I think it's really important (laughs) that you talk to everybody and you attend um, their separate individual meetings so they know that you're engaged and that you want to help them. And then I always just tell everybody, you know, like my door is open. People weren't used to seeing a producer at this level be really hands on. But because we had such a small, you know, crew, um, crew wise, you know, meaning producer wise and I mean, because we didn't even have any set visits from uh, the studio. Oh, right. Which was amazing. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> that was great creatively. But, you know, usually you have your, your people coming in and then you, you know, do yep. the little dog and pony show and then mm-hmm. come back out. So, uh, but, you know, we didn't even have that because we shot during the pandemic. So I think just stay engaged and be really hands on and just be ready to roll with whatever punch, you know, you have. Because we, we, we overcame everything that uh, we had a really good shoot. Uh, I can say that like I've been on other shoots and there hasn't been anything that has run as smoothly as this this one did. We were just able to get what we needed. Oh, that's incredible. And how did you overcome problems? Like you say, when there is those major problems as a producer, how did you, what did you do to overcome them? Was there something that you went, oh, okay, I, I, that was useful or this wasn't, so I might not do that again? I didn't really encounter anything I wouldn't do again, but it was kind mm-hmm. of strange uh, because shooting during the pandemic, we uh, shot on the Stony Nakoda land, which is yeah. a reserve up in uh, outside of Cal- uh, Calgary. And because everybody parked in one area because you know like when you show up everybody parks in an area in like the um 
and then they get on the transport and go to set. We got reported because they thought it was a it was a rodeo arena, but we weren't using the rodeo arena. We just used the parking lot to park. So somebody driving by reported us as like because we were on a native thing, and they said that we were uh, gathering illegally or whatever because you weren't supposed to have big gatherings and they just saw all the cars right yeah i thought it was a party. and so i was on set and they were like jane can you come to the front and handle this so that was kind of interesting you know to mm. to come up and say no we're shooting a film and you know when we shoot a film everybody parks i mean just like i would probably never do that or even know that if i was if it wasn't pandemic and and, and how, how does that work in in terms of like you know work working with the wildlife and you know making an impact as a film and, and is that kind of all cleared or how did you sort of work with that from a sort of cultural level yeah we we had a really good locations person that really cleared everything for us but then the stuff that you don't expect shooting out in the wild like that like in the bear scene remember you saw the bear scene on the thing oh, so yeah. we had to cross a river to get to that location so if you had to go the, to the loo you should have done it you know, from the top yeah, of the yeah. hill because it was a whole hike in, cross the river on a little boat. If you left, you had to cross back on a boat. So I sat on the other side where there was like a little log so I could kind of watch everything. And everybody was freaked out that I was over there because the actual bears, like real bears, were waking up during that time. Oh, and when yeah. they woke up from hibernation, they were hungry. So every time that we shot, we had a, a bear guard with us. All right. Like, <laughs> just because like the real bears may like walk into the thing and, you know. Get, get into a fight with a CGI bear. and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the guy in the gray suit, you get in a fight with him because he's CGI. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. I, I, love, I love your bravery and, and, you know, jumping in so much into such an amazing wilderness and getting stuck in on this. Yeah, and you should be very proud. Honestly, well done. And look forward to hearing what you do next. So you guys loved the movie? Did you love yeah, it? Yeah, like no, it? I really did. Honestly, and, it's yeah. really cool. It's really great movie. It's an unusual pairing, right, that you wouldn't mm. expect. Yeah, no, I, I think it had an amazing lead. Like, I loved all the axe throwing and the stunts. Uh, stunts and and from a cultural level, it, it's just nice. It sort of puts you into nature. And, you know, I love hiking. I think a lot of people love that connection to nature. And it just has all those elements and obviously everything you want from Predator. So, yep. yeah, great movie. Great. Thank Thanks so much. Enjoy London. W wish we were in person. <laughs> I'm, I know, we should have done in person. I would Crazy. love to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, next time, for sure. Thanks, Thank Jay. Thank you. you take have a lovely care. day. Bye-bye. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. Maui, Nita. something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time.
It knows how to hunt. I know how to survive. So there we have it. That was the delightful Jane Myers. Wasn't she cool? She was very cool. Yeah, she was lovely. I mean, fascinating. Having to produce a huge movie like this solo versus your sort of almost debut producing mm. gig is it's really impressive. Yeah. Really impressive. It's goes to show what you can do um, if you put your mind to it. Mm-hmm. So next is fantastic director Dan Trachtenberg. Uh, he is the director of one of my favourite films, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I love this movie. It's so good. If you've not seen it, it stars John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Bradley Cooper. Not, not, not a lot of people know that as the voice he's also directed some fantastic TV shows including The Lost Symbol The Boys and Black Mirror so he's being around he's been doing stuff but we had a great chat with, with him didn't we Dom he's a, he's a pretty like you know, he's a pretty switched on guy very switched on what will our audience learn from Dan's chat what do we talk about we talk about 30 years percolating an idea I mean that's crazy that's almost as old as I am <laughs> Oh, sorry. I wasn't supposed to laugh, was I? Yeah, carry on. Right, right, Grandpa. Let's not forget how old you are. Let's not forget how old old you are. Remember your 50th birthday? People forget, Dom, because I look younger than you. (laughs) He also talks about why he had to do secretive PR for 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, because obviously it was connected with Cloverfield, and and how J.J. Abrams uh, kept all his films under wraps so 10 Cloverfield Lane just blew out of that and why this time uh, he's actually doing um, press for the first time as you know a film is being released he talks about what it's like to make a survivalist movie and why a Native American lead he also talks about action in small and large places how you can tell a story within scenes and also giving some amazing advice one thing I like that he said as well uh, is if you only had one shot to tell the story or scene that you're doing what is it as a director what are you thinking about to tell the story if one shot if you just had to and can you do it that way i think that was really interesting and he also talks about working in prep and with his dop i really loved chatting to dan he was really cool really interesting insightful i wish we had longer mm. i really do i liked uh, i liked what he did with with locations and, and, and action I mean, I always remember what James Cameron said about, you know, there's no point having an action scene if it's not driven by story. People get bored very quickly. And there are so there true. are certain yeah. franchises, which I won't mention, where you have an hour and a half of action with, with no breaks. And you just stop, you just switch off and you, you stop caring. But one thing that he did very well in Prey is using the geography to tie in directly with the characters and you know the enemies and 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 what's what's going on with these fight sequences so it's all very well interlinked and it's a very clever way to 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 actually shoot because it 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 feels very authentic and you're still getting these amazing places but you're creating something that's influenced by the people rather than just oh let's blow this up because that would be cool absolutely i thought it was beautifully done i think it's a really stunning film 
It's one of those. It's, it is like Apocalypto. It is that vibe of film. If you like those type of films, you're going to love this. It's really cool. It is out on Friday. Do go watch this film. Any, if you like Predator films, if you like any of that, if you like survivalist movies, like I said, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Cool. Well, let's get to it then. Here's myself and Dom chatting with Dan Trachtenberg. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Do you know what? Pretty decent. Yeah. Pretty decent. How's your time in London so far? Good. It's been a, a, a lot of it spent um, looking at this computer monitor under a video <laughs> camera with lights pointed at my face. But yes, but what what you do have, Dan, is a very fancy poster backdrop behind you of Prey, which does look amazing. Is that real though, or is it green screen? That's true. Is it green screen? No, it's real. But yeah, it must feel great. Right. You know, all the time spent trying to get a film made. And I know it took you a long time trying to get this one made to now actually be it's coming out. It's literally it's out in days. Must feel yeah, great. This is this is my first time being able to speak in this capacity also so freely. Um, of course, there's secrets that I love to keep and um, and want to keep about this movie. But on the last time I, I did this for Ten Cloverfield Lane, that movie was it was so secretive that while doing this component, um, and I love talking about movies. It's one of my favorites. It's why I'm making movies because I love I love them so much. So yeah. um, it was very hard um, to 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 be to never be able to talk about it. And then even when I could talk about it, I couldn't really talk about it. You know, um, so it's been fun doing this. Or yes, this is something I've been working on forever. I love it so much, and I'm now so proud of the work that we all did with it. That um, it's fun to be able to like. Tell people about it. Absolutely. And you should be really proud. It's brilliant. Yeah. We love this movie, didn't we, Dom? Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Really great. And look, you, you said there how it took so long. Like, it is it 30 years since the idea first came to you, if I read that right? The idea of a Predator movie. 30 years? Only, only I guess, if you count, like... Well, when you were, when you were like, a real young... As a kid, didn't someone... Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when I was a kid, because I couldn't... Um, I wasn't allowed to see R-rated movies, and obviously Predators R-rated. Uh, so I wasn't allowed to see it. I was in third grade when it came out. We were we were in the back. We were in a carpool on the way to a karate tournament. Myself and a bunch of sixth graders, and they had all just seen Predator. Naughty! Um, so they shouldn't have. <laughs> no, well, it's like twelve. Is yeah. it, you know, it's, you know. Yeah, um, sure, not sure. not 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 technically they shouldn't have, but but yes, I think that's fine. So so they like they described the whole movie to me in the back. Uh, uh, you know, on the on the drive to the. Credit tournament, um, and and I distinctly remember them saying there was like a scene with Billy, the Native American tracker, on a waterfall, uh, on a bridge over a waterfall, fighting the predator. And of course, I eventually saw the movie, and that scene is not in the movie. It's it's implied, but it's not in the movie. No, it's amazing their imagination that they thought that that was actually in the movie because it was described so well. Isn't that amazing? There's so many, I've now had to really thank my mom because she was so strict. I really was the last person to be allowed to watch art and movies in my, in, my, in my school. And the first soundtrack I ever, the first, first audio cassette tape I ever owned was the soundtrack to Rambo 3. And I would listen to that every day on the way to camp and uh, would imagine my own version of Rambo. So there, there's there's so many of these things that I really resented my my parents for. 
um, for being so limiting. And, and unfortunately, I now have to thank them. Um, or fortunately, I guess. I <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, like. <laughs> Reluctant with the parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, it's good. I, we love them. Um, of course. Uh, and it really fueled my imagination and and mm. um and a very formative moments in my life so so i suppose technically the seed was planted maybe 30 ish maybe 20 exactly. years ago yeah exactly, exactly. that seed exactly. of it when was the moment where you you felt actually you did want to direct a predator movie or you wanted to come up with the idea can you remember that was there a moment when you thought actually this could be a real thing was it before 10 cloverfield lane or no it was, it was it was after 10 cloverfield lane I was thinking a lot about Fury Road had come out, mm -hmm. um, and so I was very um, inspired and driven to to see like, could I make a movie that was like primarily told through action? And really, and and and, that, and thinking about making a survivalist movie in in the vein of Gravity uh, or Revenant, of course, and um, but didn't want it to just be Man Against the Elements and just be. A visceral experience, really wanting it to be an emotional one. And I happen to love sports movies. I'm not an athlete. I do not watch sports, but I love sports films. I love sports films as well. Um, yeah. So I thought, you know, maybe it'd be cool um, to take the engine of a sports movie and put it into this genre film. And then I th and thinking about that, it was like, well, it would be great if like the protagonists um, were was someone that is never gets to be the protagonist in a movie. Um, and, you know, Native American and, 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 and Comanche specifically are so often relegated to playing the sidekick or the villain and never the hero. Um, so it was taking all those things and, and they all just kind of uh, fused together um, into my first pitch for the movie. And did you always know that you were going to set it in a different time period? I mean, I think that's one of the most fascinating things. Obviously, the cultural element is is really interesting and makes the film unique. Arriving on that notion of wanting to make a movie where the, where Native Americans were at the lead, at the head of it, it became more exciting to to not um, not to be where we usually see them included, merely included, you know, in the 1800s, like in, in cowboy time, you know, the pro proper Western, but to go back even further, and this is set around the time of the, the Comanche, the height of the Comanche empire, you know, so. And I, and I think it makes the action like really fascinating because obviously they're having, they're having to fight something without any of the modern weapons. Uh, which makes, I mean, you did really well on the, you know, the action sequences, and I'd love to know sort of your your input on on that. But it's it's all incredibly fast paced, and it's very well thought out how to actually use the predator against themselves, and you know, all that kind of uh, angle. Yeah, uh, that it, it, it wanted to make sure that even before the predator shows up, that we see the Comanche as awesome, formidable um, warriors, and um, have a bit of. Uh, adrenalized fun um, even before more of the genre elements enter the fold so and I suppose jumping on Dom's question there about the action look the action here is spectacular and you know I'm a huge fan of 10 Cloverfield Lane I think it's a fantastic movie and uh, it was really interesting here to see you sort of obviously there was a lot of action in that but it was contained you had that containedness of it obviously set in that one location pretty much but here you've got the expanse you've got this you can do you can go bigger how was that sort of jumping from 10 cloverfield lane to prey where it is 
bigger. The action is bigger. Maybe it's not. Maybe you go, no, it's not at all. It was. It would be really interesting to know what your thoughts were on how you managed to get the actors to do those kind of you know performances within the action. Like you say, it's quite action driven. And what your thought process as a director was to get that. I mean, it's so interesting because so often people would remark about uh, to, or to me, when I was doing press for Ten Clover Lane, it was like, oh, it must have been so challenging um, to make a movie all in one location. And my uh, dirty secret was that, no, that's, that's what made it easier. It was just <laughs> one location, not just from like a mental capacity, like managerial standpoint of, of, of a production, but also from a filmmaking perspective, having your toolkit very clearly laid out in front of you um, allows you to be so much more creative um, and inspired to, okay, if we only have these, so then what can we do? And uh, we've already done this in this location and this in this room, like, so let's try and find a, what's a better way to articulate, you know? Um, and when we're this, this, you know, this script said exterior forest day for most of it, you <laughs> know, it, and yeah. we started scouting and we were just looking at trees you know, I was like, do you want to shoot those trees or do you want to shoot those trees? <laughs> and it was so hard. Um, and you really have to always remember what is the core story that you're telling? Because you can't really look at the thing and go, oh, I like those trees more than those. From an, I mean, you can a little bit from the aesthetics of it, but when things look so similar, you have to go to, okay, well, what is the point of, this, of the scene in this setting? Um, how can I select the best place to best articulate this scene? And it's what helps breed the specifics in the mud pit and the way that that space looks. The burnt glade sequence comes from wanting there to be more uh, of a reflection of what's happening story-wise in the aesthetics of the scene. And, and of course, being... Um, a unique space that allows for the what's happening with the predator and his cloak in that scene is because of what is happening in the environment and all of that comes into play. You asked about working with the actors and you know, um, Amber trained so much for the role. I mean, all the all of them they went through. It. I thought you know we thought about um, what happens in military movies where they all go to boot camp for yeah, yeah. for months, you know, a <laughs> month drilled. or so to become to become soldiers and yes. really wanted this group to feel like a real unit and, and understand and, and witness like just them moving through the woods, how that may have looked like and felt. And, and so, you know, Amber's big, there's one big piece of choreography that Amber had to learn. Um, and that really, we spent the most time iterating on. Um, and uh, I really wrestled with how to photograph that because I grew up inspired by Hong Kong action movies um, and really love action flicks and, and, and um, have very specific tastes for um, action choreography and, and, and love when it, it's got a very, you have a very clear sense of geography mm. Um, mm. and there's a cleverness to the moment to moment choreography as well as a cleverness to the design of the overall sequence and uh, what is now like a, a oneer in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I really didn't, sometimes I feel like oneers can be very distracting and you feel like, oh, I'm watching, that's this, that's what I'm watching a oneer now, you know? And I thought it would be very challenging to, to get it as clear a sense of their choreography if it was all done um, from one single, uh, 
one single camera. I felt like, oh, no, you need to see it in cuts to understand the, the cool things that 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 character is doing. But but I also was smitten with the idea of like to see her do this thing all in one breath would be incredibly rewarding. And we found this and uh, to being honest, we only had a day to shoot it. And I was like, I don't think we can do it in coverage in a day. Mm -hmm. um, so was sort of forced with like, OK, make figure out a way to make the one or happen that that isn't is, is as invisible as you can make it, you know, and I think we did find a way for that camera to move around and feel like it's as furious as she is in the scene um, and um, have a bit of grit to it but not feel like um, the action is obfuscated, but also not feel, but feel like you're just barely getting the choreography. You know what I mean? You're just, you could have missed some bits, but you're getting other mm. bits, but you're still enjoying. She's doing so many cool things and it. Like you're still getting to enjoy that. So I think we did strike the right balance, but it was very, very challenging to get there. I think sometimes when you have those moments where you're forced into a corner as a filmmaker, you're forced to do something like a one or like, we're just gonna have to do this from one side or, you know, this becomes a two maybe. And sometimes that helps you as a filmmaker director. At the time, you're like, oh God, I wish I had more time. But actually, when you look back, and maybe this is interesting for you now, do you feel you prefer it? Do you prefer that the fact that you were pushed into a corner in a way for time reasons and you prefer the shot that you have got in there with that particular scene? Oh, 100%. There you 100%. go. 100%. Yeah. yeah, no, the the uh, the the um, tool that, um, the, the not tool, but the game that um, the DP Jeff Cutter and I, we've worked together a couple of times now. And what we always do is when we're, when we're um, cracking a scene, we always go like, okay, if we only had one shot to tell the story of this scene, what is that shot? And usually that evolves into, okay, we, then we, the, maybe the, maybe the scene is just a master that evolves, you know, or it becomes, okay, we know we're, we, from that shot, we then, the, the coverage becomes obvious because we know we, this represents the, the, the story of that moment. And then clearly we would need to then see this size and that size and the other, and, and the other characters in the scene or whatever. So I find that to be a real useful um, game to play to help break scenes. Yeah, totally. Totally. In terms of uh, working with your DP there, do you like to go into detail with, with them for quite a while beforehand in terms of watching films together, your shots together, shot lists, uh, planning everything out? Like you said there, you know, hey, if we could, you know, tell this in one shot, what would it be? Do you like to go deep with your DPs on your preparation? Yeah, it's always it's always this process of um, just going through the script and referencing this movie, that movie. Oh, it's like that shot in this, or it's, oh, remember that thing, whatever. And then mm -hmm. we're pulling all those movies. And then over time, we then got this like hard drive filled with the movies that are our, our reference points. And we're bring, constantly bringing those up and sending them. We get lost and we just start, end up watch, spending a day watching, you know, scenes from movies and, and then comb through the script again and then comb through the script again. And it's always going like, oh yeah, this, scene, oh, this, oh, remember we got this, we had this idea for the scene. Cool, cool, we got that. And then we're always putting off the like the thing where we is so daunting and like we still haven't <laughs> talked about how we're going to do that, you know, and you eventually get there. You get there and you it's almost always we never get all the way through and prep. There's always a little bit of a hole and it's always a thing you're dreading on the schedule. But at that by that point, you realize there's like the movie's tendencies. Oh, we tend to do this in these 
in these kinds of moments in this movie. We tend to do this. We tend so so the what felt really vague and daunting at the beginning starts to become much clearer just by having made part of the movie already. And did you did you find it challenging, you know, going with what a history the Predator has versus creating what's quite an original story? Did you find it difficult sort of finding that balance with, you know, the iconography and all the fans and that kind of thing? Uh, certainly, yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm as much a fan as, as, as anyone. So it certainly felt like I had my own pressure I was putting on, on myself um, and really wanted to make sure that this thing would look undeniably like the Predator, but also feel as new as we possibly could make it. Because it's, it's something that the first movie did so well is that, you know, you saw it cloaked and you were like, oh my God, is that the movie monster, you know? And then you saw it decloak and with the with the bio mask and you're like, oh no, that's the movie's monster. And then that thing, the, the mask comes off and you go, oh no, that's the movie monster, you know? Mm. And none of the movies since then have ever been able to really work with that formula. Um, so I really wanted this to be as exciting as that first one was, even for diehard fans of the franchise. And because we were set in the past, I felt like we sort of owed it to, to, for, for this thing to feel much different. And I frankly really wanted to further fulfill the promise of the premise of this, it's this alien creature that has come down to our planet and do the best we could to make it feel as little like it's a man in a suit driving it and as much like it is really a feral creature mm. um, that, that can at once feel animalistic and ferocious, but also feel intelligent and advanced. And though usually those are two separate creature ideas. And that's the exciting thing about the Predator is that it's, it's sort of both ideas in one, um, but also harder to to iterate on. And I thought you did a very good job, especially with the Predator fighting the bear, of actually showing this kind of escalation of apex Predator. Um, you know, no pun intended. Yeah, it's done an incredible job. It's really impressive what you've done with this. I love the stripped back version of the Predator. You know, it, it's it's really clever. Um, well done. You know, it, it's super film. Everyone should go watch it. It's really great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Dan. And if there was one word you could uh, give a bit of advice for filmmakers, it's ridiculous. I know, but I'm throwing it in because we've literally got 10 seconds left. A uh, bit of advice that you would give to filmmakers out there trying to get their first film made, what would it be? Oh, trying to get their first film made. I don't know. I, the thing I was going to say before you threw in that last little extra uh, thought yeah. to it um, was watch movies with their sound off. Um, mm. That's how I learned the more than any film class was take your favorite movie that you know so well. For me, it was Raiders and turn it on, turn the mute it and pause before every scene and tell, remind yourself what the scene is about and then hit play. Um, and especially with, you know, for, for the guy like Spielberg, it's like, you just see like, oh my God, like just, you know, without any words, without any music, whatever, like he is telling the story of what needed to be told for the scene. So brilliant. Well, a great bit of advice, Dan, you're amazing. Keep up the brilliant work. Um, enjoy your time talking to Zooms today as best you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks guys. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Bye. 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 That was our chat with... Dan and Jane. Whoa. Whoa, indeed. Get another uh, filmmaking legend on this podcast, another big director, and another great producer. Um, yeah, man. Loved it. So good. Prey is available 
on Friday, the 5th of August. Do go support this brilliant film. Do go support these brilliant filmmakers. Thank you so much for listening. You can go out there and make your films. You can make it happen. Even if it takes 30 years, as it did for Dan Trachtenberg, you can do it. Believe in yourself and get out there. If you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back. To send the predator oh, back down. Oh. <laughs> we will see you next Tuesday as always thank you for listening you're all superstars take care if you enjoy the filmmakers podcast please consider supporting us on Patreon okay I can do an owl alright alrighty and <laughs> hang on, let me, I can do an owl as well. Hang on, let me do an owl first. I can do a hang goat. On. Ready? And. <laughs> you can't do an owl. Hang on, hang on. Okay, I can do the. Um, hang on, hang on. Jurassic Park theme tune. Here we go. Done as a. Fuck's sake. As a wood pigeon. Here we go. <laughs> Do a bear. <laughs>